Hello and welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT, or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. And if you are listening to the podcast because you missed us live, you can also send us your questions on Facebook and Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk is the handle. That is at SWAT Radio Talk. And we will be sure to answer those questions just as soon as we are in the studio again together. Well, today's Wednesday. We had a, a good SWAT meeting here uh, at the Salem Center. And, uh, Doug, how's it going today? It's going good. It was awesome. We had yeah. a good turnout both this morning and uh, at lunch. And this week we are in Acts chapter 6. We'll be on uh, that next week on air talking about what do you do with the vision and dissension in the church. Uh, and, uh, boy, division uh, and uh-huh. dissension seem to be the, the words of the day in our country. Don't yeah, we? I was about to say it's a prescient issue, isn't it? Yeah, and, and, and in fact... Uh, you know, on the way uh, down at, at the meeting, I t- had a talk with uh, Gil, one of our listeners and one of the guys at the SWAT radio. He's called in before, or excuse me, at the SWAT meetings. He's called in before, and uh, he asked me about the Chauvin case because I said I didn't think that the uh, d- the prosecution did a good jo- good enough job of making the case. Um, but he he kind of wondered if that's if I thought that's what you know that Chauvin was innocent. So uh, I was cool talking to him. It's like, Oh no, that's not what I meant. I was just talking about the particulars of how the case was presented. Um, and you know, I think that's something that, that was cool to be able to chop that up with him and, and have a conversation. And I think that's how you should deal with, uh, differences of opinion and, and agreements is being able to have a civil conversation, uh, about them and, and what's concerning Wait, to a me. civil conversation. <laughs> yeah. What is that? It's almost an oxymoron now. Right. Uh, and, th- and that's what I was going to say. That's what's concerning to me. And that's kind of, um, when I look at the news and stuff like that, I, I see the the way that we're getting pulled apart and, and uh, going into our own separate camps. And it's, it's pretty troublesome uh, and uh, worry, worrisome. And, and that's part of, you know, the, the, the Chauvin verdict yesterday. I think that that is just further example of that. And uh, I, I think it's going to have deep implications uh, and a big impact on where we go as a country, not just the trial, but our response to it. Yeah. Well, um, you know, the um, uh, a lot of people may have been watching the trial of Chauvin. A lot of people may not have. They were just waiting for the outcome. But uh, I don't know if you remember. I, I think it was Tuesday. Well, it had to be Tuesday because I wasn't here Monday, right? Yeah. Uh, but um, <clears throat> I said whatever the verdict is, it's not going to matter mm-hmm. to some people. Mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of people who said, that uh, uh, justice was served on a guy who um, uh, murdered another guy uh, who was in a position of supposedly protecting people. Mm -hmm. And um, he ended up getting found guilty on all three counts. But the ends doesn't justify the means. And I, I just think that uh, I believe the Supreme Court, I think I shared this with you before the program, I think the Supreme Court's probably going to end up weighing in on this case. 
because there was so much pressure put on people. I can't imagine being on the jury. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And really trying to consider anything but avoiding riots or avoiding my family being hurt because there were people that have been threatened. I don't know if you heard one of the witnesses. I may have said this yesterday. They they left a somebody left a bloody pig head on his door and blood all over his door. And that was just a witness who had testified on behalf of the defense. Yeah. He didn't say he was a good guy. He was just brought in and testified on behalf of the defense they brought in. They bring in experts all the time. And so with those kind of intimidating factors, you got uh, a congressman flying in and saying, if it, you know, you need to protest, you need to confront, you need to do these kind of things. And you have the president making statements while they're still deliberating and, um, it's just uh i think there's gonna even the judge i think made the statement that this would warrant a mistrial or something along those lines and so i think there's going to be grounds for an appeal on that i think they probably will i don't think they can appeal anything else in the case really i don't see that the the facts and evidence uh supported the conviction but the pressure that was put on them and all the the other stuff, the fact that they did not sequester the jury, the fact that they did not move the venue, um, I, I think are going to be weighing factors in the appeal as well. Yeah, and, you know, I think it's, uh, I mean, where are you going to move it? Because there was riots and uh, protests all over the country, and um, there was the threat of mob mob rule just on, on the heads of the jury, regardless of where they were at and what was going on. And, uh, you know, I think that some people say, well, you know, hey, the guy did something wrong, and... So, like you said, the ends justify the means, and I don't think there's any argument that what he did was uh, egregious and horrible, and he should uh, face the consequences for that. But the the manner in which we conduct um, our trials uh, is a reflection of who we are as a people, and the way that the 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 the, the trial was conducted, the way that people behaved, um, and you know, not sequestering the jury throughout the whole trial, and and some of the intimidation tactics that were in place, I, I think that should be something that, I, to me, is a, a bigger concern than, um, you know, uh, the trial itself because I think it's telling to where we're headed, and that is, um, you know, mob rule in, in a banana republic, you know, because, yeah, it's just you, there's no way you could say that he um, was going to get a fair shake with the way things were going on, you know, and like I said, I think he did, uh, did wrong, and I don't think there's any way that if they do appeal it, that you would expect uh, there to be a fair shake because yeah, it, there's going to be riots or there's not based on what you do, no matter well, when it's at. Every state, I think, is a little different in their statutes yeah. uh, about second degree murder, mm-hmm. third degree murder. Um, most states are pretty uh, similar in their manslaughter charges. So there was no doubt he yeah. was going to get convicted of manslaughter. Uh, but second-degree murder, third-degree murder, I am i don't know the statutes well enough to know, but the jury saw it uh, and said that there was enough there to convict. And But if they had a felt there wasn't, do you think that any one of those juries, jurors would have been like, hey, you know what, I'm going to be the person who well, has you, you the would, mob come to my You, you would hope door. they would. Yeah. That you would hope they would stand up for truth, but... The reality is we live in a time 
where most people are going to think first of themselves mm-hmm. that we've been geared to think that way instead of the right way and especially when our institutions by a lot of accounts appear corrupt and the people are not don't appear to be virtuous so i think there's a lot of people who would say i'm not going to take on that brunt for something that's you know a dead letter anyway yeah well um there was um, another shooting yesterday in ohio and it was a 16-year-old girl, and people, the first headline I saw was police shoot black 16-year-old girl. And then you read it, and it quotes her aunt as saying, the police just rolled up and shot my niece. And it makes it seem really like... uh almost like there was no thought given. They just can't rolled up and shot. But what happened was she had a knife. In fact, the daily beast, which is not known for accurate reporting anyway, mm-hmm. put out initially that when police showed up, she was unarmed and a knife was lying on the ground, which was not true. Uh, you and I, and another guy from SWAT, we looked at a video and saw the knife clearly in her hand, drawn back, ready to stab somebody And the police had to make a split-second decision. And again, going back to policing right now in our country, there is a tremendous amount of pressure and second-guessing that is going on in a lot of things. But when, you know, you and I, we're, we're talking with Gil about it. We were just sitting down there talking, and both of you said, well, I need to go back and look at a video. We're talking about another thing. And talking about the, uh, the I think, 13-year-old boy that was shot a few days ago. In well, Chicago. Yeah, yeah, in Chicago. And you said, well, I need to go back and look. And so did uh, he. Gil said that. Well, that police officer doesn't have that luxury. At that moment, he wants to go home and see his kids at night. And so they've got to make these split-second decisions. That does not excuse bad decisions. It doesn't excuse mistakes. But what I'm saying is we have gotten now where we judge people after the fact with the luxury of time and being able to watch and rewatch in slow motion. See, see, the knife was Mm -hmm. down there. Or see, see, the gun wasn't there then. And for a police officer, I, I would challenge anybody out there who questions even the shooting of this, you know, 16 year old with a knife or maybe the 13-year-old, let me put you into some scenarios that are shoot, no shoot, and see how you respond. See if you go home, you know, and put simunition in. You know what simunition is, don't Mm -hmm. you? Tell them what simunition is. It's, uh, you know, it it is a a round that fires out of a gun similar to how an actual gun will, and it it marks you, and you can feel it. Oh, it hurts. Yeah. It does not feel good. I've been hit, yeah. Yeah, but... Because when you, and and keep in mind, that's not a life-taking round. That's just a marking round, but it hurts. It stings, yeah. And you know it, and you don't want to get shot. And so you're jumpy because you don't want to get shot. Imagine jumpy because you think you might not go home and see your family. Because you're going into a situation that somebody's called and said somebody has a gun or somebody has a knife. In fact, the 13-year-old had shot that gun. Mm -hmm. And there had been shots fired. On that call, the 16-year-old, they have a knife. The officer rolls up, and he sees a what looks like a woman. It looks like a woman trying to stab people. 
So, um, anyway, a yeah. uh, lot for us to continue praying for our leaders in our country about. Yep, so stick with us. We will be back with more after the break. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice of the same old lies, if you're trying to feel the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. That is Chain Breaker by Zach Williams. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And if you are just joining us, we've been talking a little bit uh, about the news uh, of the day and what's kind of been going on, which is. You know, a lot of uh, police, uh, a lot of talk about the police and and about uh, our culture. And uh, right before the break, we were talking a little bit about a few of these um, shootings that, you know, I think if on an objective look at it would seem to be, uh, or at least uh, in the one that we talked about most recently uh, of the 16-year-old girl that happened yesterday, seemed to be a justified shoot. But there's a lot of people who are uh, upset about it still, and there's a lot of mis- uh, miss uh, reporting on it as far as saying that she was unarmed and stuff. And, and you know, I think the proof that our system is kind of our, our institutions have lack trust is that if we were healthy, uh, if our institution, and our society was healthy, there would be a, a reasonable discussion about what the role uh, of a police officer should be, kind of what they go through and what they think through, but also what the role of the citizenry should be. And I think at, at this point you have one side who only talks about the role of the citizenry and the, the other side that only talks about the responsibility of the police. And, and so that we're at a heads rather than having a, you know, a objective and reasonable discussion about well, where we're at. One of the big problems in our culture, and I know we're spilling over into the second segment with this, but I think in light of everything going on, this is worth talking about a little bit is because we look at our culture and we have become the foundation basically upon which uh, uh, our reality is built. We mm. determine our own reality, right? Mm. And so um, whatever we choose to believe, it's your truth and my truth. And right. Instead of objective truth, um, and, and that is seen played out in the whole transgender thing and um, the whole redefinition of marriage and all that stuff. 
whatever our definition is of justice will take justice because there were people who were um, crying out for justice for George Floyd. That's what they've been crying about for for the last year. Um, Once they got a verdict, now they've redefined what that looks like. Well, we can't dishonor his memory now. It's not justice for him. It's not that this guy got found guilty. It's now it's now we have to, uh, you know, make him a martyr. And and Nancy Pelosi yeah. yesterday said he's he's every, he's a picture of justice. No, he's not. She said, thank you for giving your life in the name of justice. Something something to that effect. Well, yeah, he didn't. He was a victim. Yeah. And it's awful what happened to him. It was it shouldn't have happened shouldn't happen to anybody it was awful but george floyd is not a picture of justice what happened to Derek chauvin is a is a is a part of justice because he messed up and did something terribly wrong and he's being held accountable for it um and so but uh, just i don't want to cut you i mean i didn't mean to cut you off but there's been a number you know like you said justice for george floyd now now the ruling has come out and instead of saying oh look there is justice hey our system works it's like no no this is not actually an example of justice this is just um you know accountability in, in well, plain- one guy said this is just the first step and, and basically until all law enforcement has been completely reformed the way i think it should be reformed the way we've defined it then then that's justice. And again, you get back to mob rule again, and mob is enforcing stuff. And so in certain places in our country, like Seattle and Portland and Chicago and other places, mob rule is seen. Uh, yesterday in, in New York City, a, a group of BLM protesters stormed a, a, a restaurant and started shouting at the patrons and the owners, get out. We don't want your money here. We don't want you here. Take your money and leave our state. And I'm like, these people are just sitting around eating their food. Those people didn't have anything to do with George Floyd. But again, there's this narrative of systemic racism, systemic injustice that's simply not true. Is there uh, uh, ethnic prejudice? Yes. Are there problems in um, some of the policing in our country? Yes. But by and large, most police officers are good, hardworking people that treat people in a way that they treat them with respect. They, if you resist arrest, I don't care who you are. They're going to, they're going to probably get physical with you. If, if you start acting suspicious when they stop you, it doesn't matter who you are. They are. Now, are there bad apples in there and people or percentage that do, uh, you know, profile people or they just have uh, a hard time? Like you were telling me about one particular guy earlier before the program today. And I'm go, that's that's well, why does he want to be like that? And you said the same thing. Like, why do you want to escalate just because yeah. of somebody's skin color? You shouldn't. But that's why I had Calvin Clark on last week because Calvin does such a good job of saying, hey, Calvin has been mistreated because of his skin color. He calls that the ugly. And as believers, we don't repay the ugly with ugly or bad. We repay the, uh, we pay 
the ugly with good. That's what we're called to do. Yeah. Now, in the heat of the moment, we may not feel like it. And Calvin even admitted to me, there's times that I want to do something. And he's 6'5", about 260. He could uh, a lot of times. And he, you know, but the truth is that um, that we have a responsibility to also call out bad behavior and to help educate people. And I don't care who you are. If a, a teacher tells you to do something in a classroom, you need to listen to that teacher if they're not telling you to do something unethical. If a policeman pulls you over, you need to listen. Why? These are people that are in positions to help protect. And and just because there are some bad doesn't mean they're all bad. And you can't just generalize everybody. But that's the narrative. And that's what's being promulgated. And, folks, I'm just going to tell you, the media is complicit in all this you know, just like I shared, they completely fabricated part of the story uh, about the 16-year-old that was shot. And once that goes out, people already make mental assumptions in their brain. So now they're not even going to hear. It's like the, what's the guy, the police officer, Capitol Police guy, Sednick. They, oh, yeah. they said for weeks that he was killed With by fire rioters yeah. who who basically bludgeoned him to death. You know, that was on every news station, and he died from a stroke. In, uh, it was natural conditions. It had nothing to do with any protester. But you don't hear that being talked about in a big national way now, and it's already had its impact on people. So, yeah. And the only person who died that day was shot by police, and there's no never been an explanation as far as to, you know, why and you know, real investigation into that. Not saying that, you know, she should have been there, but... Um, you know, that that's an example of that. And, you know, I know we got to get into the stuff, but I, I just want to say, you know, show a law that is racist. And I think that everybody in the country will say, OK, let's do something about this. But a lot of what we're talking about is trying to legislate people's hearts. And there are yeah. prejudice in people's hearts. And the way to fix that is not by legislation. You know, I have been stopped by the police and had issues happen. I, you know, I haven't really talked about it a lot, but. This happened a number of times, but I've never once said, oh, you know what? It's because of the system is bad. I just assumed that, you know, the police officer had something that he, you know, maybe a little bit of prejudice. And that was that. I knew I was above board. So it was like, hey, yeah, you just wasted your own time there, buddy, and keep it moving. But it, 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 I, there's no law that you could have passed to have gotten that officer to let go of his prejudice well here's here's the problem when people shift the goal post they say this is what we want then when they get that they make it something else what they're doing is they're they're looking for something to continue driving them to give them a purpose um and and to continue uh a fight they just want to keep fighting about something or there's a deeper more sinister motive to tear down what they view as a system they don't agree with to implement a mob rule system because that's what it'll ultimately be and uh, you're never going to experience the peace and fulfillment of 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 satisfaction unless you're in a relationship with jesus christ and so you can protest all day long you can get all the guilty verdicts in the world but that's never going to satisfy that deep desire within to be connected to the one true living God. 
it doesn't mean that it's wrong to want to advocate for justice if there's injustice. I, and, and as believers, we should advocate for justice. I mean, that's clear in Scripture that we should be people who seek to advocate for the justice, the vulnerable. We should take care of them. But it's become so confusing because we have all these um, minions of Satan, I call them, whether it's the news media or, or people that really don't care. Now, listen, I'm not talking about the people who there, there are people, Taylor, who've experienced what you've experienced and they're hurt and their hurt causes them to want to see change. And we should want to hurt with them for them being treated like that. Like it bothers me that somebody mistreated you because they didn't like the melanin content of your skin. That shouldn't happen, but but we cannot be duped as believers into letting this come into the the best message that people could ever hear that Jesus and Jesus alone is the only thing that will change a heart and ethnic prejudice and and hatred of whatever it is can only be changed by Jesus. Yeah, and we we shouldn't sacrifice biblical justice for social justice and we shouldn't align ourselves with people who want to uh get rid of a biblical worldview and want to destroy that which God has created and instituted uh, particularly in marriage and I think that there's a lot of that that's gone on that you know maybe people don't realize uh who they've gotten in bed with but we need to advocate um for the truth and for justice and make sure that we're doing that in a way that is uh, appealing and, 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 and praising God. And biblical. Yes. It it has to be biblical. The ends does not justify the means for believers. And we've got to remember that. So Yeah, all right. So we are up against the news break. We ran a little bit long talking about uh, the issues of the day. But we are going to get in the text on the way back in. We'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Ace Door and Window, as well as a special thanks to our sponsors, Tom Neal Trucking, and a special thanks to our sponsor, Jeff Andrews of Highway to Eternity Ministries. If you would like to sponsor the program, please email us at Doug at SWATradio.com. That's Doug, D-O-U-G, at SWATradio.com. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more after the news. Radio. That is David Crowder with All My Hope. If you are just joining us, we are in Acts this week. We are finishing up our look at Acts chapter 5, verses 13 through 42. We have a long way to go, so buckle up. Yeah, we got a lot to cover in the next half hour. We're looking at uh, specifically today, verses 17 through 32. And just to uh, kind of set the stage a little bit, in Acts chapter 5, what has happened is 
This is right on the heels of Ananias and Sapphira, two names that you may or may not know if you don't know who they are. They were two people in the early church who tried to present a spiritual picture of who they were that was false. It's hypocrisy. And I believe they were believers based on the text, and they wanted people to think they were more spiritual than they were, and God struck them dead. And the church, it said that the, the unbelievers that were standing around watching all this dared not join the church. They were like, wow, this is serious stuff. Because that's because we saw yesterday there was this calling to holiness and purity. Ephesians 5 says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but expose them. Hebrews says, Strive for the holiness without which no one will see God. And so our personal testimony about Jesus is authenticated by corporate purity and a desire for purity. So when we allow impurity that is known to go unchecked and by that i mean let me just give you an example let's say taylor we're in a local faith community and we've got a brother there that we know is married and that brother is committing adultery um what do we do go talk to him yeah but that isn't what happens in a lot of places yeah what happens is i don't know what to say You know, I know I should say something, but I don't. And so we let it go unchecked. What about, let's say you come up to me and I'm in your church and you say, hey, have you ever done business with Doug? Uh, You know, this other, this guy over here. And I said, no. He goes, well, man, that dude, man, he, he's a thief. What? Then you tell me how he stole money from you and misappropriated money. What's my responsibility? Well, first, your responsibility is to go to him and say, this is wrong. Then we go together, according to Matthew chapter 18, and confront him. And then if he doesn't repent, we take it to the church where he worships, if he's a brother. It's what you do. There's a calling to holiness purity. And second, we saw a compelling witness. It said they wanted to be so close to Peter that his shadow would fall on him. He was healing, and we talked about yesterday about how the apostles had a unique ability to heal. Well, so a calling to holiness and purity and a compelling witness of God's power are just two of the four factors that are mentioned here that impact our mission of sharing the gospel. Today we're going to look at the the final two factors, a bold endurance in the face of persecution— and God's sovereignty. So this is the second time the apostles are arrested. They've already been arrested once, and they were told, stop speaking. They're arrested again this time and told, stop speaking. And I love how they respond. And I want you to read verses 17 all the way through 42, and we're going to look at these last two factors, a bold endurance and then God's sovereignty. So verse 17 through 32 of Acts chapter 5. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, 
and sent to the pr- and and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officials came, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported. We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were get greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would uh, what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in, the, in this name, yet there you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us? But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witness to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obeyed him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Thaddeus rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in in this present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone, for if this plan of this understanding is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that that Christ is Jesus. It says very clearly they did not cease. They were told to cease, but they did not. Why? Because they had this bold endurance in the face of persecution. I want you to stop and think for a second if you're listening. What if the police came to your neighborhood, or what if they came to your church or your Bible study, wherever you meet to study God's Word with other believers, And they said, from now on, we're dispersing this. If you meet like this again, you're going to go to jail. How many of us would still meet with each other and forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, like it says in Hebrews? How many of us would continue to uh, tell people about Jesus if we were told, if you do this, you will go to jail, like our friend John Monger did? What kind of... Uh, response would we have? I don't know if you've thought about that because you probably have never been put in that position. But what if you were? Are you prepared? I think a lot of people think, well, you know, I, I would give my life for Christ, but they don't live for Christ now every day. We we, we give, we give uh, 
way to far less pressure than somebody threatened to put us in jail or even to beat us or kill us. And what I love about what it says in this text is you look, we get this account of Peter when the people are telling him, we told you to stop. And what does he do? He doesn't try to defend himself. He doesn't try to explain. All he does is he starts doing it to them, even as they're telling him not to. And what they said was interesting to me because they said, you're trying to bring this man's blood on us. And what did they say back in Matthew? They said, his blood be on us and our children. Uh, And isn't that funny? Well, wait a minute. You said, let his blood be on you. You don't care. No. But what what is changed in these leaders? Well, they see something, and 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 they're going. You got to stop. You got to stop. Either they were afraid of the people rising up, and I think they were because it says the guards wouldn't do anything to mm-hmm. them because they were afraid these they were carrying sway with the people. Why? Well, because the people saw something in them. But don't miss this bold endurance in the face of persecution. And you know, I'm sure. Jesus' words to them were replaying in their head back in Matthew chapter 10, where Jesus said, Have no fear of them. Nothing is covered that will not be revealed. What I tell you in the dark, he says, say in the light. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body. And then he talks about the sparrows. Are they not sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground. Even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my father. He tells his disciples, I'm sure that was ringing true. And here's the thing. They had seen the resurrected Christ. They were emboldened to go and do whatever it took to get that message out. And even over... In Mark chapter 8, Jesus says, Whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels will save it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? You know, when we read that in a Bible study, it's one thing. But when you live that out in Iraq or North Korea or China or northern India, it's a whole different ballgame, isn't it? Mm-hmm. somebody puts a gun up to your head and says, renounce Christ. Somebody says, and we're going to behead you if you don't renounce Christ. What kind of endurance are you going to have? Are you going to be bold? Are you going to shrink back and value this life more than the future life? That's, that's what he's addressing here. And he's, he's laying this out. And what Luke is trying to show us is these men were bold and persevering They'd already been told once they continued, they were beaten. And what did they do after beaten? They go right out and start doing it again. It says they did not cease. And in the last part of this chapter, uh, verses 33 through 42, we see God's sovereignty. That's really the final and probably the most important factor in our sharing our faith. Remember, the first one's calling to holiness and purity. Second is a compelling witness, in the, and that's us living out a witness of God's power. That didn't happen without faith. And then this bold endurance and finally God's sovereignty. Gamaliel was the great grandson of Hillel. 
And Hillel and Shammai were the two great rabbis. Now, the interesting thing is, in the Jewish culture, the Sadducees feared the people's love of the, the, the Pharisees. So even though the Sadducees made up the Sanhedrin predominantly, and they were the high priest, and there were very few Pharisees on the Sanhedrin, the, the, the Sadducees feared them. So when Gamaliel said, hey, if this is of God, you need to let these guys go. It could be of God. They listened to him. And that was God's sovereignty. And when we come back, I will make just a couple more comments. And if people want to call in, they can. All right. So stick with us. We will be back with more after the break. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.acedoor.com. There is good news for the captive, good news for the shame. There is good news for the world who walks away. There is good news for the doubter, the one religion failed. That is Rescuer by Ren Collective. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just joining us, we are looking at Acts this week. We are finishing up. Uh, chapter 5, verses 13 through 42, which is talking about uh, further persecution for the church, and we're talking about um, being a our, our witness. Uh, we also talked a little bit uh, in the first half of the program about uh, some of the cultural stuff going on. So if you have any questions about anything in uh, that we've talked about so far in the program, please uh, call us, or if you have any questions also, excuse me, I forgot to say that, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. Okay, a couple of quick things, because you were talking about in the break, and I, 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 I want our listeners to understand. You ask a question. Okay, Hillel and Shammai uh, were, uh, were two great, two of the greatest probably Pharisee leaders Pharisees get a bad rap in our culture a lot of times. Mm -hmm. You're acting like a Pharisee, and people equate that with hypocrisy. Not all Pharisees were hypocritical. Um, The Pharisees, you know what the word Pharisee, it means set apart, really. Mm. And um, they had no power really within the culture except they they weren't the ruling class. They were just, uh, they they were pretty much... uh, scholars and educators of Torah and the writings like the the Mishnah and the oral tradition and the um, the prophets the prophets 
and uh, the Tanakh, which is all the other books in the Old Testament. Now, remember, the Sadducees, for them, it was just the Torah. The Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so you had the Sadducees that were the ruling class. The the chief priest was a Sadducee. The Pharisees were on the Sanhedrin, a few of them, but not many. Mostly it was Sadducees. But um, the Pharisees practiced uh, the Judaistic uh, beliefs and applied it to everything. They wanted it to be very practical, right? Where for the Sadducees, it was just more piety. Um, they were more into the political power. And at this time, you got to remember that the priest was appointed not by the king or by the Jewish people, but by God, but by Rome. Mm. Mm. And so there was a real distrust of the people of the Sadducees, but... The Pharisees, um, you know, Gamaliel was a guy that spoke up and said, hey, and the people were responsive to Gamaliel, so the Sadducees did not, they they beat him and let him go. Now, you also remember that Gamaliel mentored Paul, who was Saul, you know, mm-hmm. the apostle. So uh, you also had the scribes, and this is just a quick little Jewish thing, um, Usually, if people were very wealthy, they were very educated, right? And so um, the wealthy and educated were usually educated in language and math. And so they would um, they would be the ones to transcribe the scrolls. It's not like today, like they had printing presses. Mm-hmm. They had to hand, you know, write the scrolls to have a copy. And if they made one mistake, it was thrown away. They'd burn so, it, Yeah, right? they yeah. would. So... Uh, so the, the scribes would, I mean, listen, this was, this was the laws that they had to have for creating a copy of the Torah, other books. They could only use clean animal skins, um, to write on and bind each column could have no less than 48 and no more than 60 lines. Mm. The, the ink had to be black and a special recipe. They must say each word aloud while they were writing. They had to wipe the pen and wash their entire bodies before writing the most holy name of God, Yahweh, every time they wrote it. Think about that. There must be a review within 30 days, and as if three pages required correction, the entire manuscript was burned, like you said, and had to be redone. The letters, words, and paragraphs were counted, and if the document became invalid, if two letters touched each other. Mm. So they, these people were very precise about the writings. You know, when we look at our modern Bible, it's a miracle what we have. And I think people take it for granted. Then you had the zealots. The zealots was people who just kind of, this was kind of like a a working class people that wanted to rebel against Rome. They just did not like what was going on. Um, they they kind of were more blue-collar like the Pharisees, but they had violent tendencies and were more revolutionary and throwing overthrowing Rome. And um, Jesus asked one of them, Simon the Zealot, to join him. Uh, Wasn't Judas a Zealot too? Uh, the betrayer? Wasn't I, I, Judas I, don't, a... I don't know that. I don't know that that's mm. anywhere, uh, okay. but I know Simon was. Um, and then you had the Essenes. And they were a different sect that kind of almost like uh, 
monistic Jew, I mean, uh, you know, monastery type monks that would just go live out in the desert. A lot of people, there's nothing provable, but a lot of people believe John the Baptist might have been an mm. Essene. Mm. We don't know that. Um, but uh, Josephus gave accounts of them in his history books. And, um, you know, they were very pious. They were celibate. Um, they were they believed in the community and a strict standard of holiness. And so those were the four major groups. But Gamaliel stood up because he was part of the Sanhedrin and said, you know, we need to not persecute these guys anymore and let them go. And they did. They beat them and then let them go. And so you see God's sovereignty in that because because the Sadducees wouldn't oppose him. And I just think a lot of times we discount God's sovereignty in our ministry and we look at other people and go, well, why does this guy get beaten and I don't? And we have to remember what Jesus told Peter when he told Peter he was going to die in John 21. And Peter turns around and looks at John and says, what about him? Mm-hmm. He goes, you worry about you, Peter. Don't worry about him. We've got to, you know, we've got to be surrendered to what God has for us, not what he's doing with other people. And that, and so you look at ministry success, it's the same way. Why does God raise Billy Graham, a farm boy up, who really didn't have, he had theological training, but not to near the extent that some other people, gives him this great audience with presidents and with people all over the world. And then this guy over here, who's a much better communicator, much more educated, he doesn't give that kind of audience because God's in control. He does what he does. And we discount that sovereignty a lot of times. So here's the four factors one more time. A calling to holiness and purity. And these factors are the things that impact our mission of sharing the gospel. A compelling witness of God's power. That means we got to walk by faith for God to show his power in our life. A bold witness in the face of persecution and God's sovereignty. So that's really Acts 5, 13 through 42. And, um, you know, we'll come back on Friday and we can discuss some of this more. And you can call in, but that's that's really what Luke is laying out about our mission. And again, I go back to the question I asked Tuesday: Are we on mission to grow in our Christ likeness so that we can seek and save the lost? Because that's what He's called us to. Um, I did have a question for you. Um, okay. The uh, the four different types of uh, you know camps, as you'll say, or as you said, um, are described, or I'm losing my words there, but. Those four camps, can we see any traces of those in, like, modern Judaism? Or did, like, one went out after, uh, you know, the, the temple fell and, and everything in 70 A.D.? Or You know, um, the I you see, I think you can see traces of the Pharisees today mm-hmm. uh, and the ultra-Orthodox. You know, there's different today, if you look at the Jewish belief system, um, you you see the ultra orthodox Jews. Um, you see, uh, I think progressive Jews. I think mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's called progressive. It may be called no conservative conservative Jews, um, and, and then uh, lib. I, I don't know if liberal. it's liberal, yeah. uh, but the the, the Hasidic or part of the ultra orthodox. So I think you see elements of their influence. Um, but I don't know that, um, yes, Orthodox Jews, Reformed Jews and conservative Mm. Jews today. 
And so uh, the Orthodox Jews are those who maintain the most traditional beliefs and practice. They would be, to me, more along the lines of a Pharisee. Mm, okay. right? But then the Reformed Jews uh, wanted to bring Judaism in line with Western Europe, Enlightenment. Be like that would be like the Sadducees oh, okay. to me, the Reform. And then the conservative, uh, they, you know, they they, um, they didn't like the radical part of the reform, so they tried to, I think it's kind of like somewhere in there. And then you got secular Jews. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't know that, you know, maybe ultra-Orthodox would be like uh, Essenes. I don't know. But they, I think they're more like the Pharisees. I, I don't think any of those groups obviously like are around. Straight they didn't, line, they yeah. didn't stay. But you do see their elements in some of the modern things. But, you know, here's this thing. Nothing new is under the sun. Yeah. It just kind of gets repackaged. You know, the whole uh, emergent church and light, all that stuff has been around. Um, homosexuality and lesbianism, uh, that stuff has been around since the beginning of time, and it's addressed in God's Word. So none of this stuff is new. You know, one there was one pastor that said, well, you know, I've studied God's Word, and I think we live in a different time now. Mm. You know, you, no, God's Word is interpreted as it was intended from who it was originally written to and originally written from. And you got to look at context. So, um, I'm, hey, tomorrow our guest is Randy Schrader from Thrive It Financial. If you got financial issues or you got questions, you can listen tomorrow and send in some questions. He has some really good counsel for what to do with everything going on in our country right now. All right, so make sure you tune in tomorrow at 3 o'clock. You've been listening to SWAT Radio. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, please visit us at www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. Or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio, and you can also download our SWAT app in the App Store. Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more SWAT Radio. We will see you then. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you have a nice day. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spiritual